1: Hey, welcome second hour of the show Second hour of the first week Second hour of the final show of the first week Yep South coast tonight I'm Marcus Chris is out for tonight He will be back Monday Kind of like the music I want to let it play out a little bit Anyway Welcome to the show 508 996 So here's the deal I said, the press release on uh, Parallel Products got released like at six. It was actually like two, three o'clock. Right, the s- story came out around then. But Barry's already off the air by then, right? Barry's already off the air by then. So, the good thing about South Coast tonight is that we have extra hyper local time. You know, I know Howie's very local as well. He's, but he does take a. You know, it is a it is a big national show. Um, we have a um, another. We have more local programming after uh, after Barry that can react to things that maybe Barry might not have might might not have time to react to. And the Parallel Products story, Parallel Products, the agreement going forward with Parallel product, Products expansion plan, that's a big story because that's been a fight for many many years now. And Parallel Products expansion project has been going on for quite some time. I know Barry has had uh, had had Parallel Products VP in a few times to talk about their um, their expansion efforts. It's a big project. Uh, it's going to. Uh, it's going to, I mean, it's definitely going to generate some tax revenue, right? In a, in a very tax burdened city, it is going to, that's some of the positives. It is going to dra- generate some tax revenue. It'll create 75 jobs, which, you know, isn't nothing. It isn't nothing. Uh, it is, it's something for sure. And um, they're going to pay the city two ton, two ton per, per their, so they're going to build an enclosed trash facility and they're going to pay, Two dollars per ton of waste process, resulting in uh, estimated eight hundred thousand dollars in payment the first year. Half the funds will be used for public improvement in projects in the area, including Pine Hills, Briarwood, Sasserquin neighborhoods. Along with the extra fees, company estimates the new facility will result in two hundred thousand dollars increase in real estate taxes and seventy-five new jobs. That's what they're saying. That's what the um, that's what the city's saying. Mitchell says we made it clear that the the from the start that any expansion must protect the public health and safety and mitigate environmental risks and offset the impact of nearby neighborhoods. By saying by eliminating biosolids from the plan, securing significant financial benefits for neighbors, this agreement achieves the, those goals and more. So, um, Paul Schmidt who's the state rep uh, for that area said we always a we We always said we'd never allow another sludge plant plant in New Bedford, and we're very happy the mayor has accomplished that and his agreements prevent that. And what uh, Ward 1 uh, Councilor Brad Markey said is, a major concern of residents was the processing processing of biosolids. I'm very happy that we were able to prevent this. That's what Brad Markey said. Additionally, we'll keep significant money from the agreement in Ward 1 to benefit our neighborhoods. And any neighbor called it a, a great deal for the city and the nearby residents. So... Um, yeah, that that impacts Freetown, too. Obviously, Freetown's very close to the industrial park, and even even Dartmouth's uh, fairly close. So that, that definitely imp- it impacts the neighboring communities of New Bedford as well. 508-996-0500. Let's go to
2: the phones. Hey, good evening. Thanks for holding. Hey, I'm calling back again because it's slowed down a little bit. I just want to follow up a little bit on it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be too long here. I'm an independent. I don't trust either party, uh, Republican or Democrat. Okay. They both, they both stab each other in the back. They stab every American citizen in the back. They're just, they're horrible. Yeah. And I don't even know how they, they even get in there to begin with a lot of, but I'm just saying we got, we got a choice here next election, Coke or Pepsi. So Coke's Trump, Pepsi's Biden. Yeah. if, if, If Biden can even run again, uh, but whatever you got, you got Coke and you got Pepsi. What do you want to pick right now? It looks like Coke.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't think it's going to matter. I mean, if things were good, Trump wouldn't have lost the
2: election anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he... I, I honestly think Trump was. Be- we were better off just keeping Trump in there. I, I just don't know what would be different. Yeah, well, as I said, people. There are people that make Trump look like yeah, canonize God. them for sure. Absolutely, yeah. But right. I just wanted to call because it was a little dead out here. You had you had it going good, and I don't know what happened. There, it comes. It just,
1: that's how it, go, it comes and goes. You get waves of callers, and then you know it's 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 feast or famine with call traffic. Sometimes callers are off the hook. You know that's usually how it happens throughout the show. Sometimes I'm talking.
2: To, if this Trump Trump supporters out there listening, call and Spill your beans out. I I love to hear it. I love to listen to it. <laughs> might see <laughs> it's it entertaining. and biden bashes definitely come out here and bash but <laughs> yeah you know what
1: uh thanks for the call i appreciate it you know what i'm interested in seeing honestly is whether or not uh de runs against trump if we're going to you know to touch on that a little bit i'm interested to see if DeSantis runs against trump i think trump would um i think trump would obliterate DeSantis. I think it emasculate him. He'd make a joke about like his comb over and that would stick with him forever. I really think it like everybody said, oh, well, DeSantis is a nice alternative or something like that. Don't think DeSantis would win. I don't think Trump's already said he's decided, right? He's already said, I think recently he's decided what he's going to do. He just hasn't announced it yet. It's going to run again. I do not. I just don't see DeSantis winning Uh, against Trump. I don't see him beating Trump. I do not see it. I don't see it. It's different when you take that brand nationally. It is. It's different when you take. It's easy to, you know, be in Florida where you got majorities in both houses and you just sign those, you know, those like meme bills like, oh, I'm going to sign a bill like all, you know, gay teachers are, are illegal and all that. Right. And it's all horrible and awful. But when you have to take your brand nationally and uh and you have to go actually like, you know, go up against an opponent like Trump, who's going to emasculate you. I don't know. I think it's you really test your chops there. And I just don't think I just don't see it. I think he's going. Trump's got an, uh, incredible energy that he's going to use, focus all on ruining DeSantis, and ask Lion Ted or Little Marco or Low, ener- low Energy Jeb how it worked for them, really.
0: 508 500 good evening. Yeah, Marcus, Don Up in Stoughton. Hey, Don. Um, be- before I get to Valde and the 10-year-old rape victim, just a quick follow-up. Many businesses left the United States manufacturing because it was cheaper to manufacture overseas than to contend with the taxes and regulations. Yeah, all the the trade agreements, NAFTA and Mm. all that, sure. Well, even before that, I mean, I've been in the workforce for more than 50 years, so I've seen this as an engineer and as a technician. Steel plants, China used to come in and buy entire steel plants that had just stopped functioning and for them it was the best available steel plant. They did this in California. They came to Pittsburgh and they bought a lot of stuff here. And because there are no, you know, regulations and environmental laws in China, they can produce stuff hand over fist right. that you cannot do here. Yeah. So that was the problem. And Trump could not bring manufacturing back here because his first two years was even though they had a Republican Congress, Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. I know what you're they, doing. They they couldn't get anything through the Congress to support Trump. Yeah, they were cowards. That's that, why they they stopped. They ran away at the midterms. Well, well, that's the,
1: the I mean, party are out of power already. Already always loses in midterms. Yeah, and uh, Yeah, yeah, but but like, it's his fault that he couldn't get stuff through Congress. If you've got a majority in both parties and you can't get what you want through Congress, well, it's on him.
0: Not if every day you have to come out and contend with the Russian collusion and a bunch of lies on the. <laughs>
1: Media. Yeah, and so 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 it's the Democrats' fault. I just no, no, no. It was
0: the media. The yeah. media. Okay. Uh, who was it that said? Who 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 bought the person to come up with the fake uh, Russian stuff? Oh, that was Hillary. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was her campaign. Right now, one 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 other thing. Hillary did the Obama. Bur-
1: Hillary did the Obama birth
0: certificate. She, thing yeah, too. she did that yeah, too. She yeah. Did, yeah, yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. Um, the oil production. Oil producers have to look two and three years down the road. If you get a president in who is shutting down oil production, remember the, the newest uh, refinery was built in 1976. None of them built. We haven't built one. And we haven't built one because investors don't want to invest money in a manufacturing thing that may get shut down. So th- that's why the oil as it currently is and the XL pipeline, when Biden shut that down but the I gave a message to the oil production don't bother producing it hurt their feelings
1: it. i mean they it's not like there's a it's not like there's a there's a dearth of oil it's just that it's, it's all artificial nice to
0: have a backup plan yeah uh, the, the, keystone, where they going with the that. keystone
1: pipeline though again
0: wasn't going to be oil for us anyway it was going to get shipped elsewhere doesn't, doesn't matter oil in transit oil is fungible all right oil is fungible so that that's what you're looking for now, Ivaldi and the 10-year-old girl, when the uh, Spanish network went to um, talk to the mother of the 10-year-old girl, the mother would not let them in. She, had a, she spoke through a crack in the door. But the mother stated that everything was fine and she didn't want to press charges against the rapist. Marcus, that right there scared the heck out of me. Is her family in some way being extorted or held hostage that she has to say these things and who will investigate will right. investigate if this woman is, woman is being held hostage that was troubling to me right there and with Ivaldi, I as an older American I was I was just blown away by the cowardice of the police in Ivaldi. they were just obeying orders to stand there and wait if they had banged on the door I'll put a couple of shots into the ceiling or something. They might have scared the hell out of the kid. And he might have taken cover and stopped identifying his position by not shooting. They didn't do any of that. They didn't even go outside, Marcus, to look through the window to well, see if they could. Well, anything.
1: what's well, what's worse is uh, I, apparently one of the one of the one of the officers his, his wife was in the room it was a his teacher. His
0: wife was in there and he's looking on the phone. Yeah, that's, that's pathetic. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's they pathetic. were just obeying orders, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, they it's, were just obeying orders, and this is how the police protect you.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've definitely been braver cops than than those guys for sure. Uh, it, it, was, it was an uh, act of, of of
0: you know absolute cowardice. I the agree. The cops and firefighters who went into the World Trade Centers, they didn't receive orders to do so; they did it as yeah, their job. Exactly. But these cops in Texas. They they embarrass me as an American,
1: and that's it. Yeah, absolutely, uh, I agree. Thanks for the call, Don. I sorry, appreciate Marcus. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that story just keeps on getting worse for the 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 offices in Uvalde. You know, at first there might have been some outside plausible deniability that they may have maybe acted appropriately, but now it's just it's you know every single detail, every single day. Almost, it seems a new detail gets released that makes them look worse and worse and worse, and it you know it obviously cuts at the question whether or not you know the the, the solutions a lot of conservatives are bringing up to um, uh, mitigate school shootings are uh, even really actually plausible. 508-996-0500 is hanging in the program. We were talking about the parallel products. Uh, we were talking about the parallel products uh, deal that had just got finalized. Looks like the city is going to get some revenue from it. Um, again, it's something that's been going on for some some years. There's obviously environmental concerns. Yeah, New Bedford is, is one of the, I think, what that caller said, sixth most environmentally uh, overburdened uh, cities in in our towns and mass city slash towns in massachusetts i actually was just looking you know just googling some stuff at the break and i found from 2001 a column in the standard times that said they were the eighth the eighth most uh overburdened that was 20 years ago so it's always been the case that new bedford's been significantly overburdened obviously we talked about this that when i had um i had uh i had um i remember it was the show that i had strauss uh, rep strauss and rep cabral and they they I, I, earlier that they had seen them at the um over over at the port and it was because there was a big event there it was uh ed markey uh ed markey karen polito mayor mitchell uh the fay select board uh selectman espindola and selectman uh cory were there as well um pretty much the entire our entire state delegation was there the entire state delegation from New Bedford was there, and they had announced a what was it a seventy-five million dollar uh, cleanup effort to clean up, um, you know, to finally finish the cleanup from the harbor uh, that had been burdening New- the the port of New Bedford for like thirty some odd years, and so you know New Bedford being also. Uh, a former mill town, you know, in the times before that was very well regulated. Fair uh, uh, Fairhaven too, the same thing. You know, there's there's this old uh, place just, just behind the station, actually, called Atlas Tack. Uh, I'm sure some of you remember what Atlas Tack. I remember Atlas Tack as being like 13, 14 years old, riding my bike down the bike path, and then like breaking in and like looking at the factories and the old belts and all that stuff. You know, my friends and I used to do that. We used to think we were cool. We got walkie-talkies and stuff. And then my, my mother told me to stop uh, because there was apparently some really hazardous <laughs> chemicals there. I'm lucky I didn't see any effects, or maybe I did. I don't know. But um, basically, uh, that's another, uh, like, uh, you know, that's a, another basically, like, super fun site over there. So New Bedford's history is a mill town, of course, uh, I think plays into that um you know a lot of the industry that's happened here is one that um necessarily uh this is all the manufacturing that happened here is one that uh, especially the time that at the time there was manufacturing not that manufacturing has got all that much better in terms of keeping the environment safe but at the time there was manufacturing um you know there were they weren't as environmentally conscious so New Bedford itself is a environmentally overburdened city and so so what the city's arguing is, and you're going to hear Mayor Mitchell, I'm sure, and Tim's show next week talk about this, but um, not to give Tim topics, <laughs> but it's a big deal. I'm sure he'll talk about it. Um, he's, you know, he, he's saying that what Parallel Products is doing, they're moving forward with this. And a lot of people argue, you know, with the amount of the, the power that Parallel Products has as a company, the amount of money they're investing in this, plus the way that mass state laws is, is is constructed. A lot of people said this is a foregone con- conclusion anyway. And so what the mayor is saying is dropping biosolids and having these other environmental concerns addressed is going to mitigate the impacts and keep the people in Bedford safe. So five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred is... How You Can Get On Again at 8.30, we'll be joined by Jessica Machado of the Jessica Machado Show. She took my old show um, on Saturdays. So when I did that slot many moons ago. No, I did my last uh, Saturday show on June 25th at at, um, Duke's Bakery. And that was cool to do my last show there. I couldn't make the announce. I couldn't make the announcement that it was my last show because we hadn't been able to announce this program yet. But um, we were able to. Um, we able to have a really good. It was a really good send off. I thought anyway. Anyway, even though it wasn't officially one, because I think Steve Donovan came in to do my very very last show uh, on July on the Fourth of July weekend. So, uh, 508-996-0500. I'm going to take a break now. When we get back, it'll be 8.30. We should be joined by Jessica Machado, the Jess Machado Show. She's going to preview what's going on on her show uh, tomorrow. And uh, so stay tuned for that.
0: Listen to us live.
1: And actually, Jess Machado right now. Hey, Jess, how are you? Hello. Hmm. Hello, Jess. I'll oh, we'll have to work that out. Jess Machado of the Jess Machado Show should be calling in just to preview what she's got going on. Um, and actually texting her now. Asking her to call in again. If you could uh, just bear with me for one moment. (laughs) Uh, This would be better, you know, well, well, when Chris is back, what we can do is he can talk, you know, one of us can talk while the other one tries to coordinate. Oh, uh, here she is, 508-996-0500, so you can get on. But first, we're going to be joined by Jess Machado. Jess? Hey, guys. Hey, hey. How you doing?
3: I'm good. How are you?
1: Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we're good. So... um. Jess Machado of the Jess Machado Show airing Saturdays one to four. My old show. Uh, I love that slot. I love this slot too. I was happy um, that uh, that you took it over, and I know you'll steward it in a in a way that will cultivate that audience even further. But what do you have in store for us tomorrow?
3: Um, thank you very much, Marcus, for handing over the reins for Saturday. I do love. The one to four time slot—it's awesome. You had a great group of listeners. I'm very happy. Some of them have stuck around and given me a chance, so thank you for that. Chris, congratulations on being back on the air. We're so lucky to have you back on. Um, and uh, tomorrow is so busy. We have Anthony Amore. He's um, state oh. auditor candidate. Yep. Um, and you've already spoken with him. I, um, I am,
1: and and he's coming in. Uh, he's coming in after the feast on Friday, I believe. He'll awesome. be in Friday night, yeah, the, of the feast. Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, I need him to tell me exactly what the state auditor does. Um, so you probably yes. know more than me, but I have absolutely no idea. So um, I'm going to ask him to teach me a little bit about that uh, that role. We have Evan Gendro, who um, is another candidate. He's running for state rep. He's out of Westport. Uh, Evan's been on um, when I filled in for you, filling me in on um, some local issues and state issues. So he's coming in a little bit to talk about um, just some regional issues that I think are important. And then we want to talk about like the uvalde tapes that just came out the recent school shooting um in texas these tapes that just got released are they're heartbreaking but they're also like extremely frustrating to watch mm-hmm. uh, and i always have a focus on school safety and security um a lot of stuff going on lately with our like Bristol county sheriff's candidates and the democratic side that i want to talk about i listened to a little bit of your interview with paul the other night um, and it kind of left me a little flabbergasted. I was a little shocked at some of the things he said. So I like wanted to kind of, well, like that he didn't really know much about the role, right? For sheriff. He, he didn't really know like what the sheriff currently does. Right. Did he, did he, he say, did he say that? Did eyes? he,
1: did he say that? Or did he say he's not sure what Tom Hodgson's doing?
3: I interpreted it a little bit differently, actually. Okay. Maybe I have to listen to again, but I, I mean, maybe I do, you know, I I know there's a little bit about him. You know what I mean? He like he likes to only be in roles for a little while, right? He likes a role and then he's there for one term, and then he he likes to move on. That's his thing. Um, I find that very interesting. I'm oh. not sure that's the right thing for us. Sure, right? he's
1: he's been he's been mayor for for three terms of, of he, Attleboro, but yeah, he he does say he likes to stay in office for limited limit limited. He likes to give himself self-imposed term limits and then move on to another office. That's his um, yeah.
3: I mean, did he talk at all about his constituents? Are they happy that he's he's running for this role? I, I'm, I'm interested to learn about that because I've joined a lot of the, the North Attleboro Facebook pages, and I don't see, you know, 100% uh, support of this. A lot of people are feeling a little missed that he just got elected in November, and he's already ready to look, look ahead to something else.
1: Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Uh, I haven't really looked at any forums with people in, in Attleboro. North Attleboro uh, is a different Municipality, but um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I think he has told. I think he's been very open, and I don't know mm-hmm. how open he's been with his constituents because I don't, you know, I don't really read the paper up there. But um, he has been open, I think, with his constituents on you know limiting himself to certain terms, and mm-hmm. I just don't, you know, in terms of how his constituents feel about it or how yeah, I mean, maybe I city councilors. The
3: they probably, they probably would have wished that he had said. That you know, this may be taking a break because if he gets elected a sheriff, um, they're going to have to have a special election for Mm -hmm. a new mayor. Um, Yeah, I mean,
1: I I imagine the city council president will take the take the role for the time being.
3: Yeah, I mean, I just it's just I I think it maybe sends a little message of some instability over there and unnecessary, you know, Mm. changing of the guard. Um, And maybe I think residents over there would have liked it to be a little bit more transparent when they were at the ballot box in November, putting him in that role. So. Um, I just just find it a little bit interesting. He's very interesting.
1: You're you're concerned, you're very concerned for the the people of of Attleboro?
3: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Is that it? No, but I mean, I definitely think it speaks to character, right, and integrity. If he had this idea in his mind that he was going to run, then he could have maybe said, you know what, I can step away from the role of mayor and put it all in for sheriff, you know what I mean, and start a little early in November um, and yeah. then and then put it all in. So unless it was a last minute change, you know what I mean? But based on the conversations I've seen, you know, he, he has always said the term limits, like you said. So it sounds like it was already a plan, but um, no, I, I mean, yes, I am concerned about the the residents over there, but I'm obviously more concerned about the sheriff and his competitors. I was just looking at an online poll um, for like a local um, news media outlet, and uh, surprisingly, out of the three top candidates there, so Nick Bernier, McNeil, and Harrow, McNeil was coming in first on this online poll.
2: I Um, mean...
3: And I found that to be is very it on Facebook what are your thoughts? it is it's, it's on Facebook throw
1: it in the tra- throw it that? in the trash I, I mean <laughs> <laughs> it's Facebook it's not I don't think that's you know it's not scientific it's not indicative of, of how the people are going to vote you'd have to get a much larger larger control group I will say I mean what the the difference between I think I like I, I mean I, I know I know all these guys and, and I, I I think they're fine people But um but the difference between I think Haru and George McNeil and Nick Bernier is Haru's won elections and won them fairly handedly. Mm -hmm. Um both as a state rep and as a mayor. And those elections elections like that are very difficult and to to win because often you get very qualified people that you're running against. And so I would say like Haru knows how to campaign. Like you can take Facebook polls, but if you're, if, if I don't know what George McNeil and Nick Bernie are doing, but if they're not out there hitting doors, right. Mm-hmm. If they're not out there yep. doing the things that Paul Haru's probably doing that he's done, that he's done to get to where he's at. Then I would say, I would say, you know, it seems like he'd be the, the, the front runner in that, in that race. I, I just, now, I don't
3: what kind of, what kind of clout do you put into like fundraising events? I, I heard both McNeil and Bernie had events. Yesterday and the day before in Fall River, mm-hmm. and they were very, very poorly attended. I mean, if there were 25 people at each one of those, I think that would be generous. What? What is? That's is, That's the not good. That's of what's that's, going bad.
1: On? that's very bad. It's especially bad for for Bernie, who's gotten a lot of support from, uh, you know, Mike Rodricks and mm-hmm. uh, Chairman of Ways and Means in the Senate, uh, Carol mm-hmm. Fiola, etc. So that's really bad. And and I looked at their finances last night, and. Mm-hmm. Haru's got over 50, he's got fifty seven right now. May, yeah. uh, uh, I think Bernier and McNeil have each have like four thousand in the bank account in their bank accounts. That's not yeah. nearly enough. So they're I don't right. think they've done a great job fundraising. Right. It seems it, like Haru's done a really has uh, been really good at that.
3: Yeah, and and I'm pretty sure McNeil's was a, a candidate loan. He loaned himself five thousand at some point um, yeah. in the campaign. So um, yeah, I mean we both know it takes money to win a race. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got a lot of work cut out from them. Did you take a look at the, the sheriff's um, bank account? How's it looking? Is it probably is it Probably 290, right? Yeah, yeah, very comfortable. Yeah, yeah of course, of I mean, that. he's been you in office I mean? for 20 20- he years. Well, you know, but he hasn't had to spend it. So, I mean, yeah. this, this is the time where he's gonna have to put that money out there and start using it and um, be effective with it because, you know, it's for the first time in a long time, he's, he's had people running against him. Last time, he didn't have anyone at all.
1: Right, 2016, right? He didn't have anybody yeah. running against him. Yeah, then it was yeah. John Quinn in, uh, in, in 2010. But um, yeah. so uh, we're like, what do you, you've been watching this race really closely. I know that you have a relationship with, with Sheriff Hodgson in particular. So what do you think Sheriff Hodgson's done on the campaign that's been effective uh, so far? Or what 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 do you think? And if he hasn't been campaigning well, what do you think he could be doing?
3: Well, I mean, I think I did say that, you know, just from my own perspective, this is a different type of campaign era for him. Facebook was not nearly as relevant in Mm -hmm. 2016, and even at that point, he didn't need to run a race, right? So the last time he actually had to run a race, there was no Facebook, there was no campaigning on Facebook. So from a digital point of view, he definitely needs to bring it up, Um, but I think he's got great people in place that are, are working that for him. So if there is an opportunity I would say when it, it comes to the digital world of, of campaigning. Um but the thing about him and you've met him Mark, if he's just so genuine um and, and he's happiest when he's meeting people and he's out there shaking hands. I mean all of those signatures that he has to turn in, I, I mean he, he got them himself. You know, he was out there in parking lots Um, He loves talking to people. He loves trying to change people's minds. If you listen to the show last week, you know, he encounters people that are, you know, not necessarily on board with him right away, but he likes to talk and try to change minds. Um, You know, he loves this, this era, this area. He loves Bristol County. Um, His life is this job. I mean, yeah. there's really not much else to him. You know what I mean? He loves his family; he's a family guy. But this job is, is his life, and it shows. So, um, I, I hope that comes through um, when he meets people. I mean, he's a very popular I mean, guy. A, you know he, what I mean?
1: He, he's an effective retail politician. There's no doubt about that. He was a city councilor before he was a before he was a, a sheriff, and that you know that that type of that type to win an office like that, you're really going to be able to. To make a connection with your electorate, so I definitely he's obviously effective with that. Do you think that his, do you think that his relationship with President Trump uh, is going to be a hindrance on his reelection prospects?
3: You know, I think <clears throat> I don't. I think there are people that met the sheriff through the Trump campaign when he had a, he had a role in that campaign here in the state, and he led it with a very fair hand. Um, you know, as you know, Marcus, the, the Massachusetts GOP is not a very cohesive group. There are moderates. There are, you know, true patriots on the other side. And, you know, I was new to that group. And when I was working, it was kind of like, let's just focus on a task, right? And that's really what he was about. Like, let's do the work. And for some, not some reason, he brought both sides together to accomplish the goal of campaigning for the president here. And I think that he has that ability to kind of get people from both sides. So I hope that that translates. You know, to non-Trump supporters, they look at his record on how he's keeping Bristol County safe. The programs that he has for our youth are amazing, um, and I just I feel like you can take these big issues, but you've got to really break them down to your day-to-day life. And how safe is Bristol County? What does the Bristol County Sheriff's Office do for us locally? Um, and I think he's doing the work. So well, there's three. There was three shootings,
1: to... and there was three shootings in New Bedford this past week. Is, is is Bristol County safer?
3: Well, I mean, first of all, that's that's really the. The, did you say New Bedford?
1: In New Bedford, yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's a police department issue, and I know that New oh. Bedford struggled um, for some time with um, having enough of officers and things like that, but I think um, the support that Bristol County Sheriff's Department lends to these departments is uniform. It's open to every community. Um, it's, it's there at the will of the chief if they want to partner with them. They're always available to assist. I can tell you right after the Uvalde shooting, the Sheriff's Department was, you know, out, and I... Don't lessen the value of this because, as a mom, I can tell you it's important. You know, bringing out their therapy dogs to schools to kind of lessen the anxiety of kids that were in school after the shooting. I mean, that's a great program to have that we can use and benefit from. So. Um, as far as your original question, I think people can compartmentalize things. Yes, he was a, a Trump supporter. Yes, he he helped with the campaign. He's a conservative. He's a Republican. Um, but I think that you can look at him and say he's doing enough for Bristol County where it's definitely worth having him stay on for another six.
1: So um, we're speaking with Jess Machado of the Jess Machado Show. Uh, before I let you go, um, you know, you said you had uh, Evan Gendro on uh he is a candidate for uh state rep he is running in uh, the district that's held by paul schmidt which my my mistake if i'm if i'm not mistaken is is the very top of the north end of new bedford through freetown down to um fall river and and it covers westport too um just
3: changed for this election this is the first one with this new it has some it
1: has some of a cushion it now i think as well yeah yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yep. um, what are your thoughts on that race? Uh, and make sure ask. I would ask. I'm not. You know, it's your show. But I'm, I'm interested. This. <laughs> I'm interested to hear Mr. Jenro's thoughts on the on the parallel products, um, on the parallel products deal that just happened because that's that's his. That that'll be part of his district, and that's I think real something. The residents there are really, you know, I think going to be. Uh, upset about. But what do you, what's your, what's your thoughts on that race? Is it possible for a Republican to to win in this, uh, to to have a seat in this in this
3: delegation here? I I don't see. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But listen, Evan came out of nowhere. Um, in 2020, um, he has. I mean, one one-hundredth of the, the campaign account that Paul Schmidt has. I think Paul's got well over $100,000 in that account. Um, and he made a very favorable first showing. I mean, I, I think it was maybe 43 or 44 percent of the vote. Okay. And I don't think people took him seriously, right, at first. He's a young kid. Um, he kind of came out of nowhere, and he's a Republican, right? But he's also, um, I think, very in tune to what's going on in this area, and, and he had a great ground game he was knocking on doors. So you're talking about that that kind of work that's being put into the campaign. Evan was doing that because he didn't have the money to do anything else. So if you don't have the money, what's free? Going around door to door, going to events, meeting people. So I think he had a really great foundation in the 2020 campaign. This time around, we just had um, his kickoff fundraiser at White's in, at the end of June, um, and it was far well attended than his first one in 2020. There were some new faces that I, I wouldn't expect, kind of people that have stayed out of politicking for a while that came out to support him. I think he's got a really good shot. He's unbelievably motivated. Um, from an inside perspective, I think he's got a much more solid team behind him now. Um, I hate to say it, but I think he was kind of building his team as he was going along. Yeah. Now he's got some really great people behind him, and he worked for the park campaign towards the end when he was running for mayor last year in November. And I think it was a really great learning experience for him because that was kind of a really big operation over there. They were spending a lot of money. What kind (laughs) of learning experience? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, listen. How to lose?
1: How to lose badly?
3: Well, I think Cliff was a formidable candidate. I just think it was the wrong time. Um, and yeah, I and, he, and he
1: also and he also said the job was uh, was a, a celebratory or something ceremonial. Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that didn't cost him any votes, but I, <laughs> I do think that he's probably learned from that, right? Of course, of trying yeah. to comfort his his staff, and then what really is the bigger picture? So, but I do think Evan got a great. Perspective on how to run a big, big race in a big city, right? Trying to take out an incumbent, um, and he learned a lot. And I know he's taking things away from that. That coupled with his team, with his energy, with his knowledge—he's unbelievably bright. Um, I, I'm, out, you know, I'm hoping he gets more money. You know what I mean? I'm hoping the Massachusetts GOP sends money his way. He's one of the most, um, you know, valuable candidates that we have down here. Bristol County is a very rich conservative base and the, the Mass GOP has to start spending money down here um, because there are voters here that are looking for candidates to vote for, um, and Evan is one of them. So I'm hoping he gets the money, but I think all of that in place, he's got a really good shot. Paul's getting older, you know what I mean? He is, I don't know if he has the energy to really keep up with this kid to, to run a race and, and to win it.
1: Jess Machado, the Jess Machado Show. I'm going to actually ask you one more question, if that's okay. Uh, oh, okay. What's, yeah. your th- what's your What's th- your So there's a repeal effort going around uh, to repeal the Work and Family Mobility Act. I'm trying to. I haven't really found a good faith reasoning for repealing it. The only one that I really th- saw that was maybe convincing was from Anthony Amore, who said something about maybe the DMV isn't well equipped to uh, well equipped to verify foreign documents uh, you know to see their uh, you know their veracity but yep. w- why why such a like a visceral reaction like you've got people i know people are going to be outside stop and shop tomorrow getting signatures is your visceral visceral reaction to this law what's the problem
3: Well, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Anthony's reasoning is probably the only one that I really thought was going to be an issue. I'm I'm going to say this, and it's unpopular opinion amongst Republicans and conservatives. I am over signature gatherings. Um, (laughs) They have been unsuccessful, um, and people like me who are really kind of working our way... From the ground up, were the people out on on the ground getting these signatures day after day, long hours, meeting people to get signatures for what things that never ended up passing, things mm-hmm. that weren't going to go anywhere, and it's a lot of energy that I felt for me personally, from somebody that was doing it for a long time, was just a waste of my time. Yeah. So you won't catch me out there trying to get signatures for this. The legislation is in place; it's going to happen. Um, you know, I. I, I get it, it's not a popular opinion, especially amongst Republicans, but I'm just not sure what's the point of this. We're in the middle of a really important election season. Um, I think people need to focus on their local issues, supporting their local candidates, stop collecting these things, just getting into these fights at like, you know, market baskets yeah. where police are getting called. Yeah. It's just a bad look, you know what I mean? And I then, agree. you know, and, and for the Democrats too, coming out to try to block this process, I know all about it. You know, we have the legal right to stand out there and get them, um, people coming over and trying to. Persuade people. I think it's in poor taste. But I'm just saying personally, I think it's a big waste of energy, specifically for this for this thing. There may be something that comes up the pike that I, I feel very passionate about, and I really think needs change. But like everybody needs to understand, in order to prevent these things, you got to elect the people to stop them from getting put in place in the first place. So I'd rather put my money and my time into candidates so that they're making the right decisions, because these decisions are are the um, result of the people that have been put into office. This is their work. So. Put the right people in place and you don't have to do all of this weekend signature collection stuff. Yeah.
1: Hey, I agree with you. Right? Uh, Jess, yeah. Jess Machado, what time tomorrow?
3: We are in at 1 p.m. and we're on until 4. We'd love for people to uh, to join us. And um, especially your listeners too, Marcus. I love having them come in and try to give a different perspective or change my mind on things. So cool. um, hopefully everybody kind uh, of tunes in and listens. We get a full show tomorrow.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Jess.
3: All right. Thanks.
1: Jess Machado, The Jess Machado Show. That's airing 1 to 4 tomorrow. I'm going to take a break. We'll be back. 1420 WB Hey welcome back to the show I'm Marcus 508-996-0500 Is how you can get on the program uh, That was Jess Machado Of the Jess Machado show She's going to be on tomorrow 1-4 to 4, my old slot And I think she's done a good job with it so far And her time filling in for me And her time And her first uh, show as well So interesting She's got a strong slate of candidates, so we'll see. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I think she's. I think she presented herself very well uh, just now. I think she presented her arguments very well, even though I disagreed with a lot of them. Not all of them. I was surprised to hear her opinion on the uh, signature effort to repeal the Work and Family Mobility Act, and I actually agree with her. would We get time for a quick call. Hey, good evening.
4: How you doing, Marcus? I'll be as Good. quick as I can. I sure. think election night in the sheriff's race, uh, we have to pay attention to the suburban communities. That's where the sheriff gets a lot of his strength. And we have to determine from that whether or not this trend that's been going on uh, through various primaries throughout the country where the trumpeteer uh, is getting beat by the conservative, the regular conservative uh, Republican in their primaries. I think five out of six and. In the first uh, uh, six primaries, uh, hmm. people didn't choose to trumpeteer. So how yeah. effective the opposition is going to be in exposing that uh, uh, aspect of the sheriff? And I think uh, it's dutifully exposed, particularly on the funding of the sheriff's funding uh, organization uh, throughout the nation to build the wall. Uh, if you can recall that, that's when Steve Bannon stole a million dollars and got pardoned from it. Yeah. There was never any report on what was raised uh, from around here. And would the sheriff arrest him if he came into Massachusetts? Uh, You know, he's a chief law enforcement officer, as he claims. Uh, But that one in particular bothered me a lot. And I think he skipped away uh, from that issue. And and, and he should be at least challenged on that issue. Uh, So I think the trend uh, of the anti-Trumpeteer uh vote uh could have an effect in those suburban areas but election night that's the one you're going to watch uh i, I think we'll, the opposition uh will stay steady with him in, in the cities the bedford and fall river for example but when it comes to places like westport dartmouth and and the surrounding communities of Saunet and Seekonk and stuff like that that's where the opposition would have to make an inroad
1: interesting thanks for the call tom i appreciate it thank you Definitely.
2: very much all right you got to take this break we'll be right back 1420wB